Welcome to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast. It is episode number forty-seven, and I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we both? Very well, very well. Are we going down in podcast numbers? No, I checked before. It's definitely forty-seven. Oh, I thought we were really close to fifty. My yeah, mistake. Well, yeah, no, definitely forty-seven. Never, yeah. never question. I do, yeah. Cheesy's <laughs> counting abilities. What, what I will say, I don't, I don't think he, I don't, not, I don't know whether I brought this up the last time we did this. We've actually done a podcast that I never put out. What? <laughs> <laughs> the unheard tapes. Because I'd completely forgotten about it. You're joking. No. <laughs> and I thought one of you might have said something by now, but you didn't. And I can't remember if it was the one before or the one before that. It wasn't the it wasn't the last one we did. Um, it was it might have either been the one before that one or the one before that one. And I remember we did it. I think it was one we did at either the back end of a week or we did it. We didn't do it at the beginning of the week. And I think I worked the earlier the day after, and I just completely forgot about it. I think after that we talked about something really topical that had just happened. And by the time we'd finished, by the time I remembered about it, it was like a week later. I was like, I can't put this out now. What? So what you saying me is. We we said all our, our best bits and you've... The hidden tapes, that's what that is. I'm saving, yeah. that, I'm saving that for the hidden oh, tapes. Or is this when is this the week when me and Simon really shined and you, you had the, your off week? <laughs> and you thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let them two get the, get the spotlight, I mean, get all the praise. I Ross mean, what... doesn't know which one of his killer anecdotes he can still tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my memory's going, because I, I thought I'd already spoken about this already, but clearly I'd had this conversation in my head thinking... Oh, I mean, your memory definitely is going, because you'd assume you told us about hitting the 19th hole five times on the trot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These things just come natural to me now, so... Mm. Made. Well, yeah. who, who knows who'll ever hear this? There's one yeah. for the archives. It, what it does is it makes my it makes my uh, mobile phone incredibly valuable now because it's got obviously a hidden podcast tape on it that nobody else <laughs> nobody else has got access to. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, well, and full disclosure, you are very much open to bribery, aren't you? So if anyone wants it, um... <laughs> very much so. <laughs> so. Oh well, that's so. Oh. I mean, I don't know how to set that now. I think that's thrown me off a little bit. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I felt really bad because I think it was, well, I think, I don't know if it was a sh- one of the shorter ones we'd done or it was one of the longer ones we'd done, but I was like, these two are going to kill me if I don't put this out. But I can't put this out a week afterwards. I was like, there's no way I could do that. Well, I had noticed you hadn't put it out, but I thought, oh, I must have been busy. <laughs> the thing is, like, I was very busy at the time, so I thought, well, I can't, I'm not, I'm not in a position to offer to help. I'm also too busy. The other thing I did, the other thing I did surmise is that I was like, "Who is listening to this podcast?" I was like, "We've got 19 listens." And I was like, "I'm sure these two must just be playing it like once a day, like just, just to get the numbers up." But it, clearly, it's not because you clearly didn't know it was there. <laughs> I haven't listened to one. I haven't listened since, to one for a few like years. since episode nine or something. I haven't listened to one. I've not. I've not. I think we're at one. I think. I'm sure when the last time we looked, we were at 1.1k listens now as well. So we've had another 100 listens on what? top. But we went so over 1,000. Yeah, I've, I've, I've told you about I've told you we got up to the 1,000. We got up to the 1,000 ages ago. 
Hey, and Ross, that, that's not even including the podcasts that don't go out. How drunk was I when you told us? Because I don't remember. <laughs> I think, I think, bear, bear in mind, the three of us have recorded, what, nearly 200 podcasts. We only put, only put 47 out. <laughs> they didn't make the cut. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're listening to this, bear in mind, this is one of our better ones. We put it out. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about the, the dross that we've cut. Wow, oh, way. Normally recording for a full day and we only put out an hour and we put an hour 20 minutes. I'm finding everything out tonight. <laughs> I've, I've, I've definitely told you we've done a thousand listens. I, I, I think I, I remember mentioning it at the beginning, but I definitely mentioned that at the beginning of a podcast. I might have even sent you the picture of it afterwards. 100% don't remember. Oh. And no, I think actually don't. when we watched when we went to go and watch United Villarreal, I might have mentioned it, but you might have been a few pints deep then by the time I got uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> How's your week been, Ross? Uh, it's been okay. But the day I played yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday, for the second half. I got down for the second half because... Uh, they went from a squad of 16 to a squad of 12 quite quickly on Sunday morning. So I said, if you need me to, I'll come down and help out. So I quickly raced down after Teddy's swimming, uh, came on for the second half, helped cement a 3-0 win. So that was nice. Uh, then Saturday, Teddy had a game. He lost 4-2. Four, four but it was very, very, very close game. Could have been, uh, could have quite easily ended six all. Very exciting, nail biting. Um, yeah, so that was good. And then uh, I can't think what else. I just played a lot of board games. Other than that, yeah, it's been good. I've seen your Instagram. Yeah, is it a board game a night in your house at the moment? Uh, no, not really. I thought that was like a, a like game, but like board game week. I think you yeah, yeah. like one every night for that week. Yeah. No, 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 no. Teddy likes to play like a couple a day sometimes. So just kind of whatever. If they're short enough, play a couple a day. Just got to get through them, aren't you? No point in buying them and not using them. No, no. For a top board game guy like yourself. So yeah, and then it, well, I think it. Oh, next Wednesday, it's the uh, board game night at the pub again. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Have you got to take, um, is that not the last one before Christmas? Have you not got to take like a Christmas, it's not like the Christmas party? <laughs> uh, not that they've said anything. I'll find out on a... Um... Surely you won't be meeting up the week before, the week of Christmas, surely. Well, they might just change the date, might they? I don't know. Have you got any Christmas-related board games? Are there any out there? There must be. There'll be some out there, but I haven't got any. I've got my eye on, like, a couple for Christmas, but... <clears throat> I mean, as if I need more. But, yeah. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it, actually. I was looking on the board game website today, trying to find what could be my next purchase. Uh, but nothing, nothing stood out as of yet. Or it was quite expensive, and I didn't want to spend that. I mean, what we have just done is we bought, um, we started on the old, the old Christmas present shopping. Oh, I'll tell you a funny story. Actually, what happened? So Teddy and Luke 
I've met wrote their Santa lists and sent them off in the post box. Um, and then we um, we went to Smith's toy store and had a look round. And Teddy saw, I don't know if I told you this ages ago, he saw the um, Millennium Falcon Lego. And oh, it's massive, yeah. but it costs 650 quid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, he saw that again in Smith's. And he said, oh, that's what I wanted. And I said, yeah, but look at it. And then next to it was the Lego Harry Potter Hogwarts. Yeah. And he went, and that was 350 quid. And he went, oh, I've always wanted that. I said, yeah, but mate, look at it. It's 350 quid. And he went, yeah, but I can ask Santa. And Santa's presents don't cost any money. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, technically, you're right. But... <laughs> So then we ended up, we've we ended up buying him. Uh, we've bought this Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets Lego, but it's cost us 120 quid for some Lego or something like that. Yeah. So it's an absolute fortune, but it's got over a thousand pieces, so it should keep him quiet for a while. Oh, but yeah. At least until the end of the Christmas holidays, yeah. Yeah. Well, we bought him this big, like, Lego Pikachu to build for his birthday in June, and literally he's only finished it two weeks ago. So if it, if it has that longevity, then I'll be happy. I would have got my money's worth. So how respectful is Luke of a, a long-term Lego project? Because when uh, I was a lad, if I, I, was, I was never massive into Lego, but I think if I had a long-term Lego project on the go, I wouldn't be caught by the Dominic or Chris wouldn't have smashed it up by accident. <laughs> well, I kind of put it in a bag and then put it out of uh, reach. So he couldn't really get to it. Plus, Luke started doing Lego, so he likes, he wants you to look after his Legos. So it's kind of, it's kind of a mutual respect there now. Yeah, yeah. The Jack, not so much. You just have to put it at the back of. He's a raw, yeah. raw dog, Jack, isn't he? Yeah, you can't trust yeah. him Yeah, but yeah. So, but yeah, that's about it, really. What have you been up to, I, Simon? Well, I, earlier today, I went for a walk around Heaton Park. And um, you'll be delighted. Did you find somewhere new? No, I didn't find anywhere new, but you'll be delighted to hear because I know it's your annual Smith family trip. They, <laughs> they seem they looked to me like they were getting ready for Lightopia. <laughs> so Claire is. We might get a quick guest appearance. Claire, come see her. Come see her, Claire. Quick, Claire. I can't read. So uh, she couldn't hear. So Simon's just said that. Uh, he went for a walk around Heaton Park and they seemed like they were getting ready for the, the Smith annual out into Lightopia. How, 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 what do you want to go back to Lightopia this year? What, for 80 quid to walk around in the dark with half the lights off? There you go. <laughs> Not really. They didn't put that on the post. I'll tell you what, I was going to say. enjoy it, guys. I'll get that on my Google review. <laughs> there you go. Quick. Quick guest appearance from Claire. I saw a Ferris wheel. Well, I mean, if that's got all the lights on, they're going to be doomed. <laughs> yeah, take, any, take any more power away from the lights that are already there. And have even less on. It was positioned in front of you know, where the lines are, where, the, um, where that big building is. Yeah. Well, um, but I mean... Is, like, that not, is that one of them things that's like a massive illusion where you get to it, it's like kind of a hamster wheel? <laughs> but it wasn't very big. Yeah, it wasn't very big. I'd say it was two of me, I would say, to get to the top. Was that it? Maybe three of me. But yeah, not very big. 
not as big as the that hall type building that's there. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 definitely not going back. <laughs> well, now I don't think we've I don't think we've done we don't think we've done a podcast since since half term, have we? Because we went to the I don't think the the circus is still on there. So we went to the we went to the circus that was there. Oh, did you? Yeah, a half term. Yeah, because I love the circus. But what was it like? Um, well, it was really good. But I, I mean, I'm not. A, I can't remember the last time I went to the circus. It must have been must have been years and years ago. Um, and the last time we were supposed to go to the circus was when we were away at, um, at Butlins. But Esme hated the loud noise, so I walked around Butlins for an hour with Esme while Grayson and Ashley went to go and watch the circus. So when we went this time, we were like, oh, "She's a bit older; she might like it." And within about the first kind of um, team of people that came out. It almost turned into a bit of magic mic. There was a lot of hip thrusting and grinding, <laughs> and I was like, "Is this a is this, is this a family friendly type um, circus?" But then <laughs> it kind of it kind of mellowed out a little bit. It was more it was more kid friendly towards the end. But then did, they, you really, this, did you not check the tickets before you bought them? I was going to say, <laughs> I, I thought I thought that um, that triple X was just like extra 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 good news. I thought <laughs> that was a mincer offering. <laughs> Sounds like extra, extra, extra good. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, uh, but it, it was really good. Like, look, look at this channel, Ashley, on, on 900 and something. <laughs> the circus channel, channel, extra, extra, extra <laughs> fantastic. You must have all the live football on this. <laughs> it bloody is extra, extra fantastic as well, I tell you. You have to be careful. Keep my not, eyes off it. You have to be. You have to be careful not to get it confused with the extra, extra large package and the extra, extra, extra package. <laughs> but no, it was really good. It was a. Um, well, I'm not yeah, surprised you enjoyed out. yourself, Jesus. <laughs> well, um, they brought the um, they brought the bikes out at the end in the, like the sphere, and they were they were doing that. There was um, a guy that climbed up to the top of the tent with his, I think, with his wrists, and then. Um, like unraveled his wrists and like fell to the floor and was like like thirty centimeters away from the floor. What else did they do? They were flinging each other around. Uh, there was like a comedy double act that was all like slapstick stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was all right. Nice sun, nice way to spend the Sunday morning, even though it was raining, but it's lovely. Perfect, perfect Sunday, in my opinion. Absolutely. It was um it was Blinder's thirtieth last week, so we went out for. A, have you have you ever been to Six by Nico in town? No, I've always wanted to go. It was it was really nice. I'd fully advise it. Um, it was a great place to go. But they like they offer like a, a there's like a wine pairing. So it's, it's six courses if you, for people that are, are unaware. Um, but they offer like a matching wine menu where they sort of bring out a glass of wine that sort of suits each course. Which we hadn't booked beforehand, but when we got there, Blinda was like, "Oh, should we just do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, here's your birthday." And but someone comes and says, "Oh, do you want a drink?" And we go, "Oh, actually, we're going to do the the matching wine thing." And they say, "Oh, the matching wine thing actually doesn't start until the the second course." Um, so you might want well to order a drink now just to get yourself go- you know. So we got a drink, but then the courses start coming out quite quickly, and the courses because there's six of them are quite small delicious but small but it's quite a big glass of wine each time and they brought out a glass of Prosecco because it was Blinda's birthday 
So I was absolutely sloshed by the end of it. I mean, <laughs> smash, you're having to sort of, under pressure to smash, smash through a glass of wine each time. You're like, oh. Well, I don't. I don't. I've not finished my South, South African white before the next course comes, and then what? So that's five big glasses of wine. Yeah, the prosecco and the the pint that I'd ordered. Wow, what what pint was it? Uh, uh, special brew, special brew on tap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Danish thing. It was called Carlsberg. I don't even know. No, I can't, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Did you get did you get a free whiskey chaser with it as well by the sound of it? You're trying to just put that much alcohol in you. But what was the theme? Because obviously the, the whole selling point of six um, by Nico is that it's six courses and the menu changes every six weeks, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think the theme I think is South Asia, maybe. Right. Um but the, the food was incredible. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, that sounds delightful. And, you know, I, and, you know I, I've had tea at your house, Ross, so, you know, I know fine dining. <laughs> Nothing can beat a beige buffet, can it? <laughs> did you go oh, afterwards, yeah. Simon? We, uh, where did we go afterwards? We went to Northern Quarter. We, but we only had a few drinks. I mean, we were pretty drunk, to be honest with you. It was, kind of, I mean, it was a Monday night as well, so it was sort of, you know, it wasn't. we weren't too leery, but... Um, but yeah, it was a nice evening. It was part of a part of a suite of drinking nights, I would say. We we got drunk quite a few times in within a few days. Well, you're only thirty once, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I obviously I'm thirty one now, so I can I can just about remember. Turning 30. <laughs> you two, you two will be much 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 older. Oh, <laughs> I'm, ready. I'm I'm thinking about the forties. I'm mind the thirties. <laughs> Imagine. Oh well, so well, yeah, is that good, it? so good times had by all. Well, yeah, sounds sounds enjoyable. Have you? Have, uh, before I forget, have you two not? Did you two not meet up on a Saturday before? Oh, oh yeah, like, we, years ago. Yeah, we went and watched United, didn't we? The derby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we stayed out for a few more drinks, and Mars Clara COVID. We were at St. Margaret's Tavern, and then we went into Presswich afterwards, and then we went to the Crooked Man. And then oh, Clara... I thought you went to town. I thought you were going to town, town to watch no, it. No, and, and then Claire, because uh, she had COVID, texted me later on saying that um, we needed bread and milk. When I texted back saying, Well, I don't know what I'm doing, don't know if the shops will be open. But she replied, "What do you mean? You don't have to shop to be open." As if, she, as if she was surprised that Ross went out for a drink and stayed out <laughs> for a little bit, and then, uh, and then phoned me up and wasn't very happy. So I decided to play that I'm going to come home and be the very happy chappy card, and take the higher, higher ground stance, which worked out a treat. I thought you were going to say you were you were very much in the Mickey Flanagan type. You were still having you were having uh, you had a bag of milk and bread with you for the rest of the night, and you were still out at four o'clock in the morning with this <laughs> well, bread, bread, bread and milk that you'd picked up with a very much in the intentions of going. No, out. my my ingenious first idea was to to just go and deliver room and get it delivered from the local car oh, shop. But that that didn't seem to cut the mustard with Claire when I actually spoke to her on the phone. Um, 
I mean, luckily, I, prob- I probably did come out at the right home at the right time because at the time when we were sat in the crooked van, I was eyeing up buying a painting. One of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you nearly went home with no food or something. <laughs> some fine art. <laughs> I still haven't had an email. <laughs> What's her? I, I, I can't believe she hasn't sent it. She's not what to sell those paintings. Well, unless unless it's gone to my junk box or something, but it's not come through. Unless she thought I was taking the piss. I mean, what I did think is you walked in straight away and after we were hanging the pictures up, you said to the guy, you can't just take whatever you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, when you put that when you put that picture up before, I was like, which picture does he want? Then? The purple one I liked. Oh, I'll have to have a look at it. <laughs> I just oh. couldn't stop staring at it on that night for some reason. Captured me. We were, um, me and Blinda were walking into like, we bought a shoe rack earlier. We were walking into the shop. And as we were walking in, this bloke was walking out with some whatever he bought. But the alarm thing went off. And he like looked over to reception in a sort of, oh, what do I do here? And I, I just said, I just said to him, Run for it, mate. We won't say anything. And um, <laughs> but, but he just looked at me like stony face, like he like it wasn't up for my me making a stupid joke at all. I was like, oh no, what an idiot I am. <laughs> but uh, slightly awkward moment. Yeah, no. Some people just need to. I don't know. Chill out. Like by Shirak. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Life is too short. So what are we talking about tonight? Um, so we will we will get to the sport eventually. Um, so we will um, start with England. Um, so on what was yesterday was uh, was England's last game of what has been a very hectic um, calendar year uh, with obviously the delayed Euro. So we will talk about the England team. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Gareth Southgate and what does it mean for next year with the World Cup. Um, and then, obviously, all focus now uh, up until, I think it is March of next year, goes back onto domestic football. Um, so, we will, the Premier League returns this weekend. So, there has been some managerial changes um, and we will talk about them and we'll look forward to, um, to the games at uh, the weekend. So, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast, and we will start with uh, the England team. And um, after qualification was um, secured with, a, I think it was a plus thirty-four goal difference from the nine or ten games that um, that England had played, um, and they qualified um, for the World Cup. Uh, and also some news that Gareth Southgate has signed his contract extension. Um, so, do you do you feel he's still got some unfinished business after his two semi-finals, Ross? Uh, I mean, well, I think he will think that. Yeah, I mean, look, two semi-finals in what? Two, oh, well, two... I said semi semi-final and a final. Oh, no, I yeah, got, got, yeah the... well, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the state of the England team, and especially if you look at Gareth Southgate in terms of his whole England managerial career, starting with the under twenty ones building with them and then taking a lot of them players through that he, he worked with them and then bringing them into the um, 
the senior squad. I think hasn't he given something like 40, 40 debuts to players or something? So he, he obviously he's committed to to bringing through the youth. But if you're, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a better time to be an England manager, hasn't it? Like, why why would you walk away from it? The squad that um, England have got, it's not like you're scratching scratching around for thinking. Oh well, in the past, or if Rooney gets injured, or oh if so and so gets injured, what we're going to do? You look at the team that beat San Marino 10-0, like, that was probably a third-string team. I know it's only San Marino, but we haven't scored 10 past San Marino in a, in a long time. It's not like we're doing that every time we single, every single time we play them. So, yeah, I think I think he just looks at it and goes, you know what? Why would I want to be anywhere else at the minute? I've got, I've got, I've got the World Cup coming up next year, an absolutely brilliant chance to go to the semi-final again final, maybe even win the thing and then see where you go from there. You, you, you're not going to give you're not going to give it up now are you? It's not like the worst worst years ahead. He's probably got the best the best years ahead I would say in terms of what's going to go on. So yeah, I, I, I think he will think. I, I do think I don't... His, his, longevity, his longevity though I think is in part down to a lack of other options on his part. You know, to Newcastle. Well, no, but, but could he have done? I mean, it, it doesn't feel... Quite a few Premier League jobs have come up in the last month. It, he hasn't really been linked with any of them. A load came up in the summer. It's sort of, I don't really know where he's at in terms of his kind of currency, in terms of what his value is in the market of being a, a football manager at the moment. Uh, I think I think he's well-respected. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he wasn't even linked with the Palace job in the summer, was he? Yeah, but He's then not... that was that was right off the back of thingy, wasn't it? But at the think... same time, not a lot of people would have watched that part. It's like we've spoken in the past, haven't we, when um, De Boer came in and took over and tried to change the whole style of Palace and it <coughs> ended like it failed spectacularly. I think people are kind of looking at it similar again. Why, why would you want to come in and follow Hodgson? I mean, obviously, Vieira's coming and obviously changed that, but... I think, but I, think... I mean, he wasn't he wasn't linked with either Villa or Norwich, was he? No, but is winning the SPL with Rangers bigger than taking England to a Euros final? What are you linking him to Rangers now? No, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm sort of saying he wasn't linked with the Villa job, and you know, and that they went for Gerard, whose managerial credentials are you know doing a quite doing a very good job at Rangers, but. But I, I just think that, I think he's not being linked because he is so set in his role at England, as opposed to anything else. I mean, I mean he's onto a good thing, isn't he? Yeah, I, I just think no one's looking at him, going, "We're going to be able to prize like it's going to." What's going to prize him away from that England think, job? Realistically, now at this stage, that's what that's that's yeah. my point. I think it's not it's not that he's not good enough to be linked to them. I just think clubs aren't looking at him and going, "He's a viable option." Really, he's not. Why is he going to? Why is he going to come to us at this minute? I think the only thing with those with those two clubs are, especially you think about the Palace job in the summer and the Villa job. Both teams he's played for. So you know what? You, you know, as soon as a job comes up that a current manager's played for them or has got some link to them, it's them. They'll be they'll they'll, they'll be the next manager. Or they, but there wasn't even any there wasn't even any paper talk. Or there wasn't, there wasn't even people making stories about about him taking up being a Premier League manager. That's the bit where. And I, I mean, as good as as good as Eddie Howe is at Newcastle, 
Like he isn't he like his last season at Bournemouth was a disaster. He hasn't managed for for absolutely ages, but yet he suddenly got he suddenly just walked into the Newcastle job. Whereas I don't know. I think I think for I'm learning from when we will talk about the the the, uh, the Premier League jobs earlier on. But sometimes if a job comes up, you can't say no. The Chelsea job came up and they gave it to Lampard. He couldn't say no. Jarrah's mentioned a little bit about the, the village. He couldn't really turn it down. But nothing like that seems to happen to Southgate. And what, I mean, there's always going to be Premier League jobs. But what he doesn't want to do in, we win the World Cup and then the summer after, he ends up getting the Norwich job because there's no other jobs available. Or then he's out of work for a year. And then, I, I don't know, I think it's very difficult to transition out of international football back into domestic football. And surely he's going to, surely he's going to want to, I mean, he might not do. I mean, he might, he might just think, do you know what? I win the World Cup with England. Do I really need to go manage another team? I can dine out, dine out on this for the rest of my life. I, I don't really need to go and go and manage a Premier League team. But surely he's going to want to test himself. For I suppose the weird thing, in a way, is the kind of the run of England managers we've had for quite a while now has been managers sort of at the end of their career. It's sort of almost. I mean, it wasn't Hodgson's last job. But it's almost like they're like like they've got an established CV, and then and now you know Hodgson, Capello, Allardyce. This is like their sort of final job at the end. Even if they yeah. have actually gone on to do other jobs, they've got <laughs> a long. Whereas Southgate, I mean, this is must be like his third or fourth managerial. Well, it'd be his second managerial job, wouldn't it? So like he's sort of this guy at the start of his career that's doing it. So it's sort of we don't really know how that plays out going forward, do we? No, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think if you look at some of the some of the club, the uh, national teams who had success in recent years, obviously uh, Jurgen Love with Germany have kept him around for a long time. Uh, Spain, when they were winning, they kept the same manager. And look, you, you're watching them. Look, there's been progression, haven't they? Every single time, it's not like. They've struggled in certain get like they've 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 gone and they've been consistent. Got to the semi-finals, or they got to the final like this in Euros. Obviously, the next World Cup is a big one for Southgate. If he if he suddenly gets knocked out in the group stages, or we we get knocked out in the round of sixteen or something, then you you are going well. Has he taken this team as far as he can go? But I don't know. You're just not you you as an England fan at the minute. You're not you're not looking at the next World Cup and going, ooh. You're kind of looking forward to it and see where we can get to, aren't we? Oh, it's so exciting. I mean, it's the most exciting in my lifetime to be an England fan. Like, we've got so many good players. Like, I mean, just, I mean, just in recent history, the fact that it's been such a stress-free qualification, quite uneventful. I've not really noticed it. I've not even bothered paying attention that often during international breaks. Because it's never occurred to me that England might not qualify. Yeah, I think what, just I think in the last what, 10, 15 years, we've we, you know we didn't qualify in Euro two thousand eight. We've often struggled to qualify. <laughs> terrible, oh, no. terrible nil nil draws away in Europe when yeah, there's, oh, there's no cohesion. Oh, we've made like five changes to the team, and there's just no there's no cohesion there whatsoever. I think I think the biggest thing for Southgate waiting for Theo Walcott to come good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the biggest That's thing. Some- for Get going into the going into the World Cup is he's, he's almost got the the Solskjaer expectation now. Whereas you think about so everybody by the time the the World Cup rolls around and we've had another summer, 
uh, probably another England player's move for 100 million quid. Foden's one young player of the year, or whatever it is, that we've got, we've got, we have got the best squad in Europe by a country mile. We've probably got the best squad in the world, the best group of players. They're all now a year older. If we don't win that World Cup, what what better chance are we ever going to have to win a World Cup? Whereas our older players, as in Kane and I mean, I'm always called Maguire, an older player, but they're almost getting into their peak years. And you feel like if we don't do anything in that World Cup, we don't win that World Cup. And I know that there's obviously other teams there as well. But if we don't put in a good performance and we don't get, I feel like if we don't get to the final, then it will just be, because there was times at the beginning of the Euros when we played Scotland and we were, we were rubbish. And we can't go to a World Cup in, in 18 months' time and roll out the same, I don't know, dreadful tactics to begin with. And then obviously it worked when we got to the end. But you, you've got to think the pressure's there. If we don't get to that World Cup, if we don't win that World Cup, then I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think the pressure will just become a bit too much. The pressure will just become a bit too much, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, like, like, like I said, he's not going to quit now because everything's hunky dory, isn't it? But like you say, if he gets the next World Cup and suddenly everything didn't go to plan or things go wrong, then probably is going to get question marks about him and what he can do and what he can't do and how good a manager is he. But at the minute, he's riding high on the crest of a wave, isn't he? And everyone's lauding him, everyone loves him. I mean, he's even managed to bring Atomic Kitten back into being <laughs> popular again. So that, that's last no time, easy feat, is it? Last time it was waistcoats. Now it's Atomic Kitten. Yeah. So I just, I just think. Like, and I tell you what, Harry Kane owes him a debt, doesn't he? Because Harry Kane, he's obviously Kane's managed to convince him to let him play against San Marino. And he's cashed in there with four very easy international goals, hasn't he? Yeah. Whatever, whatever number he ends up on. As, a, as an England striker at the end of his career. But at the same time, though, you've still got to score, haven't you? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I'm sure Rooney and Bobby Charlton scored against some pretty dross teams in the, en route. So, uh, so, uh, is he third in the rankings now? Is it, are they the only two ahead of him? Um, yeah, he's on 48. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was on 48 when he scored his fourth. Or... Yeah, because he overtook Lineker, I think, during the match, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He was level going into it, and he overtook him. No, Lineker's on forty-eight. Is he? Yeah, because he said because um, um, Lineker tweeted out something about "Welcome to the forty-eight club," and and he put something like, "I don't think you're going to be in it for very long, but it was nice seeing you." But then I think that was I think his goal stopped. Then I, th- I don't know if that was his hat trick goal. It must have been because he really got to. Oh no! Oh no! Because forty-nine is not the record anymore. Is it? Is it fifty-one or fifty-three? No, I'm not sure. So, yeah, or maybe he did then. Maybe he did. I'm not sure. Yeah, you, you might be right. Maybe this fourth goal was his 49th or whatever it is. But yeah, it's, it's not going to be. When we play the, the next couple of games in, in March or whenever it's going to be, then you'd probably think that, well, by the time we get to the World Cup, he'll have probably. Um, he'll have probably. Um, well, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be record goal scorer, won't he? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I suppose the other thing is the, the, other, the other thing that's probably going to. I mean, unless there, there is a huge amount of injuries. There's going to be some people not going to this World Cup because before when we talked about there was 26, you could pick 26 in the summer. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be three less, and you would probably think by the time we get to um, the World Cup in November, December next year, that the likes of maybe even Conor Gallagher or Emil Smith Rowe, if they continue to 
perform the way that they're performing now, they will be absolutely banging on the door to be in that squad. Yeah, but I don't think they're actually... I don't think there's a chance. I don't think Smith Rowe or Conor Gallagher will be in, no matter how well they play. No, I don't. I, I, but, but I'm saying to you, they're probably not. But they're, they're potentially two. I mean, they're, obviously they're doing really well at the minute. But potentially they would have been two players where in a Hodgson or an Ericsson squad that they would have they would they would have gone because they would have been the best young talent that we've got. But, yeah, but then in a Hodgson or an Ericsson squad, we don't have the depth of talent that we have now, do we? That's that's the problem. Yeah, but I but I think even players that are playing. I mean, I I I can't. I can't. I don't think Trent. I don't think Trent will go next year. I don't think he'll take him. I, I think just, he will. I just don't. I just don't think that. Um, I just don't think he'll end up taking him. And I don't. I don't know why that is. I just don't think he. he I just don't think he will. I think, I think he'll take him, but I think Reece James might get the nod. He just. I just feel like there's there's more than well, there's more than twenty three players who will expect. Well, not I say not expect, but. I'm trying to think of that with enough Premier League experience to be in most England squads. That some there'll be somebody that won't be able to go, or there's somebody that won't go. You think about other players that are injured or didn't or weren't even in this squad, like Greenwood. I think don't think Rashford was in this squad, was he? No, Sancho wasn't. Sterling, Sancho, Calvert Lewin's not in this squad. Yeah, it's what the one of the weird things about England that's sort of been really showcased this year. Is that there are certain areas where we have a lot of strength in depth? Right back is one of them. Those attacking midfielder positions is another one of them. Yet at the same time, you know, Tyro Ming started the Euros for us. You know, there are, there are other positions where you're a bit like, oh gosh, you know, hope I hope Maguire and Stones don't get injured. I hope, you know, once you get past past the first couple of let, you know, once you get past sort of Chilwell and, um, but that, yeah, even to the point like you think, uh, uh, sure. You're thinking, oh, well, that is a bit of a drop off after that, isn't it? And so it's sort of, it's a slightly disjointed England squad in terms of some areas were very strong, some areas were not very strong. Well, even so, you think like if Harry Kane got injured, dropping down to a, a, like Calvert Lewin has been good the last couple of seasons, but he's a step down from Harry Kane. Yeah, and Tammy Abrams a step down from that. So that that's still whereas I agree, they're not playing off. There's still there's still people in that. I think you would think would would produce similar kind of yeah. things that they would do, and even I think like you look if Declan Rice got injured, I'm not I know Henderson's there, Henderson, but, but yeah, I think but I think the way yeah, that that's still just, that's you're still not that much depth at like central defensive midfield, is there? I know Calvin Phillips plays as well, but if Cal normally goes with Rice and Phillips, isn't there? One of them two's injured. I know Bellingham, but Bellingham's still. I'm still not. Young. I'm not not quite sure. Yeah, you're going to hang your hat on him just yet and say. I, I think that's the one thing that will potentially work for England, though, going into not necessarily going into the World Cup, but that central midfield position. You think if, if the way if Declan Rice continues on his trajectory this season, by the end of by the end of next season, beginning of the next season, Calvin Phillips, I, I don't think he's necessarily reached his his, his best for England, but he, he's very much a consistent performer. Bellingham's going to have another year under his belt. Um, I think just just the middle of the part will just be m- much more. I don't know what the word is. It's secure or much more. Um, like Declan Rice has been a revelation since the since the summer. It, 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 it playing for West Ham. 
um, that he just makes that. When we were saying before about areas of strength, I think he he is an absolute area of strength now in the in, in the centre of that midfield. And with Bellingham behind him and Henderson being in there as a, a bit of experience when if he needs to play. Um, I don't know. I thought we were always quite light at, 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 uh, in that area, and I don't think we've got a lot of creativity in there. But then we just feel like we've got creativity sort of fullbacks and the front three that. Do we need to? Do we need to have this creativity in the middle of the park that we we so desire? I mean, Mason Mount's been injured as well. Mason Mount's not been in. I think Mount was the other one that played when he played a three. But if he's going to play a two in there, then Mount is one of the ones that will have to play up front. That's another player that is playing off the left. Or I think in some ways it makes Gareth Southgate's job extremely hard, but then in other ways it makes it very easy because in the past everyone's known who England's strongest 11 is. Like, it's always... You're always going to have Gerrard. You're always going to have Lampard. You're always going to have Beckham. You're always going to have Bruner. You're always going to have Owen. You're always going to have Rio Ferdinand. You're always going to have Ashley Cole. I mean, there was that sort of period of time where sort of Cole, um, Terry, Ferdinand, Neville, that back four picked itself for about five. Yeah, there there was always that kind of, like, if you didn't play them, it'd be like, kind of, bloody hell, what are you doing? Whereas now, that's what I'm saying about it, it makes it easy and hard. In some ways, it's easier because you ask any, you ask, you ask 20, 20 England fans, guarantee you'll get six or seven different strongest starting lineups. Like everyone will have something, something different that they think, oh, what, what they should play. So there's no like, oh, you're expected to play certain players. Um, but then in other ways, it makes it incredibly difficult because there is no standout players. So, it's all down to you've got you've got to make sure that your selections bank on. Otherwise, you'll be slated for your selection because there's someone just as good that could have played. And everyone will say would have made the difference if you did play it. So he is in catch twenty two some ways, but I think that team it that way. Then you talk about that team with um, Ferdinand and Cole and, and Neville and um, I, I was Seaman still was Seaman in that team or was it was it was it, I wonder, was it David James by then I can't. It would have been at the end, David James, Paul yeah. Robinson kind of era, yeah. Those like if you think I always preferred Nigel Martin myself anyway, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but England's back five. If, if we are going to take Seaman towards the end, like they were, they were, they were five incredible play, like incredible players. Probably you'd probably say in the top <laughs> top five in their position in the world. Whereas now at the minute you've probably got. I mean, I don't really. I mean, Reece James is incredibly good. Chilwell on the other side is doing really well. Shaw's doing really well. You've got Trent, but then you've got Pickford and Maguire, and whether it's but then Chilwell's not even a regular for his club. Alonso was getting him ahead of him for. Well, I think I I thought I I thought he'd swapped, but I think Alonso's been injured. So, but then I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Chilwell's gonna. I don't know if Chill. It'll be. Doesn't matter. Luke Shaw's better than both of them. Yeah. Well, whoever gets in, but but then we've. I don't know. I almost feel like that team back then was better than this team is now, but this team's so much younger than that team that this team could be anything it, it, anything it wants to be. And maybe that's what we need. Maybe we maybe we don't need the best in every position. We just need to, a team that's going to play well as a team and and gel well as a team. And that's what and that's what's going to. Well, I think I just think, think the difference between this team and teams like the golden generation of when England should have won something like like we've just been saying. There seems to be a better balance in terms of players that are played. Like we, like when Gerard, there, there wasn't, yeah, Gerard and Lampard. There wasn't a defensive-minded mindset in them two in the like midfield in the centre of midfield. There just seems to be a better balance. Declan Rice is a very, 
very, very good holding midfielder. Callum Phillips is a very, very good holding midfielder. But then to counteract how good they are defensively, you've got all the array of attacking talent. So it doesn't it doesn't take away from the team that you're playing two defensive midfielders almost because you've got so much. Whereas the golden generation, there wasn't that, was there? You had, you had like no. you say, you had them that back five, which was incredible defensively, but then kind of in front of it, it was a bit, blah, it was a bit kind of all like it's a bit all over in terms of defensive. So I think, I think there's a better balance. I, th- I think the other thing that you, you, I think one of you, the point one of you made before was as well. If you think about that golden generation, if one of them was injured, and uh, who was it that was coming to take the place? It wasn't the. If, if we say, I don't know, say we had the top midfielder in the world or the second and third midfielders in the world, or whatever, we were bringing on somebody who'd be regarded as being in the in the, uh, the hundred or top one hundred. We we didn't have great replacements for everybody. Whereas you feel like now if if one of the if, like if Foden gets injured or Grealish gets injured or Sterling's injured or one of those front players is injured, Sancho's injured, we've got other players to come in. That you don't play Danny Mills, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or, or David Bentley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That we've got, what? we've got. Oh, so so yeah, yeah. I was going to let you finish. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. no. Right. Well, the other thing I, I was going to say is I think one that's really quite striking. I think about this England team is like they all just they genuinely do seem like quite like nice guys, like people you can be really proud of. I mean, obviously, like obviously, I mean, Rashford's a real exception. Rashford's sort of a standard. You know, the, the stuff Rashford's done in the last eighteen months is is incredible. And almost sort of beyond football, but like they all just seem like genuinely people we can be sort of proud of to be supporting as a nation. And you like, and yeah, and like just all like really likable people. Like there's what, such you, a warm atmosphere about England at the moment, isn't there? You're yeah. saying we're not hearing stories of uh, cigarettes being put out in eyes and air rifles being shot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. That is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, but I, like like everyone says as well, Southgate's John biggest Terry's thing is that... with all the wives, it's beautiful. <laughs> what, what obviously we've not said is, uh, is what Southgate's probably main thing is. He's actually brought them together as a team, hasn't he? Because if, yeah, if you listen yeah. to a lot, all the things that have gone on from the golden generation, they never spoke to each other or did anything yeah. with each other, did they? Whereas they all seem to, as much as it goes against like what all the pundits say now, what, what they would have been like, they actually brought them together, didn't they? And in some ways, I think, like for Spain for years, Spain always had a, had a fantastic squad, but there was always that massive uh, Barcelona-Real Madrid rivalry, wasn't there? And they never, they had this, I think they had, for years, they were always perennial underachievers because they had the same attitude or problem England had where they didn't get on with each other. And then all of a sudden for that, when they went on that period, that spell where they won everything, that seemed to go to one side for a little bit and all of a sudden they came together as a team. So, Ah, for Southgate's job, he's just doing that, isn't he? Keeping the team spirit up and keeping them bonding with each other and talking with each other, and then um, that success will come. I can't. I can't. You just you just triggered something in my memory. I can't. I'm sure there was a current player that had said something about. Um, I don't know if it was a current player. It was a player from that generation said something about um, getting on with people from people from the other other Premier League teams. I'm sure it was... I'm is it sure Jermaine Genius? Jermaine Genius is often quite vocal about the fact that he sort of turned up at England and it was like, there was a United table, there was a Chelsea table, yeah. and he was sort of I, stuck I'm, with the others. I can't... Well, there was, there was the recent... 
because Gary Neville did the overlap, didn't he, with Carragher? Yeah. And they spoke about it, and they said, like, one of the problems was wasn't that um, because they because they didn't like each other and they all used to hang around together. He said one of the problems was if we were arguing, he said it would have been better because then at least we would have been sorting like an issue out, would have been talking to each other. But he said the big problem was we were just ignoring each other altogether. We weren't having anything to do with each other. Like so, we were just hanging around in our clubs. And he said, if we if we would have actually just <laughs> met up and just argued and got everything out in the air, then maybe they would have moved on and done something. But it's like you say, like the games, you don't see that many like fierce rivalries, do you? And it like like the United Arsenal one, or yeah, there don't seem to be that now in the in the Premier League, does there? Even when Liverpool plays City, there's not there's, there doesn't seem to be the animosity surrounding the games. No, yeah. Like that. And the thing is, when it was United, when United Arsenal was sort of the big rivalry, it felt they were the standout top two teams for about five or six years. Whereas now, because it's kind of like a top six, and at any given time, at like at the moment, it feels like Liverpool and City are the big two. Or I suppose, even, but like even now, but like Chelsea are kind of amongst like you don't have a consistent run of like three or four years where it's the same top two and like a proper rivalry builds between them because. It's always kind of moving about which which sides are going for the title at any given time. But I think you've, yeah. I think that I think that it's moved. Don't you think about the characters that were in those teams and a Vieira and a Keane and a Neville yeah. and Keown and just people that were just like they were they were really fierce and they were really, really aggressive. nasty and, players. Weren't you? Yeah, yeah you sort of needed a few of them back in the day. Because when I mean I, I don't know, you, you never really saw. Like Anelka never really got involved with that, or like Biltor. It was just it was the it was the the really big characters in both of those teams that just absolutely just clashed, just absolutely would just made those the, well the the get the mem- the game so so memorable and like Benger and Ferguson, two two managers that have been in that in in the Premier League for so long at that point with um oh, not necessarily different um, philosophies of how to play football, but. They were they weren't necessarily the same, and uh, they both had they both had success. It was just I just think it's just a little bit. I don't know. It just feels like it's, it's slightly different now. I don't, I don't, I don't well, know. I'll tell you what you don't really have, like in terms of the characters. You think Keane Vieira? There was a lot of players who were they were just willing to get sent off for things. Yeah, well, even Gerard was like that. Like you think about Gerard. No, no, but, like. but but you think you name a player who's just going to go and get like. Keane would obviously like it. He's done loads of crap, hasn't he? And, and then, even like if you think Shearer, like Shearer's a nasty bastard. Yeah. Keown was a nasty. Like, there was loads of players who were just like, they just smack someone. Like, if someone pissed them off, they'd smack them. But then, almost yeah. that, that enhanced the reputation of bloody hell, we're going to play this team and they're, they're prepared to do this. Whereas, you, I mean, I think VAR's obviously to the detriment of that because you can't get away with anything, can you? You slightly graze someone's cheek and all of a sudden it's the worst thing in the world in sending off so I think that has killed a bit of it but I mean yeah you don't no, really yeah, I mean, person, you don't really get the person that's picked up 19 yellow cards like every away game they get a yellow card because they just yeah. play yeah. you're right it's not there isn't really anybody there isn't really anybody you, you just don't see Alan Smith anymore do you yeah <laughs> no yeah, you don't see Lee So, because I think it starts at the end of no, it start at the end of November to start of December that Qatar World Cup. So it'll be, it'll be twelve months from now. They'll probably be playing like we'll be doing. We'll be doing a podcast. We'll yeah, so it, it, final warm up game of summer only. It'll be starting about now. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, they've just done the 50th podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll just we'll, put out the 50th podcast. Who knows how many we'll have done? We'll have hit 1,150 <laughs> listens. <laughs> it's, um, it's, I think they, they, they break for November the 4th. They break on November the 14th because when it was announced, I think it was announced like exactly a year. A year um, I think it's the 14th to the 28th is the break. And then obviously it's the World Cup. So it's two weeks to prepare for it. I mean, imagine Christmas if we win the World Cup. Oh, it'll be absolutely incredible. And imagine, I'll tell you you what what would be a magical day. A World Cup final, it snows overnight, so you've got a white, perfect white day. Everyone goes sledging in the morning as a whale of a time, comes back, you stick the fire on, get all your mates round. I mean, I've never even thought about this. It's just popped into my head. Imagine a mulled wine World Cup final. Wow. Okay, I mean, this is the thing. It's going to be a real challenge for you because you won't be able to put a barbecue on, will you? <laughs> You'll have to do a roast. Yeah. Hog, hog roast in the backyard. Hog roast. You'll have to get hog roast. I mean, I mean, I've never associated mulled wine with football before, but the more I think about it, <laughs> Ross, Ross, Ross has got a Christmas market going on in his back garden for the old, uh, for the mulled wine. I mean, don't, then we, don't, don't tell Ross then, he might be getting some ideas. And then when we win, we all sing Last Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if we beat Portugal in the final, imagine imagine that like a national. Feliz Navidad. Oh, <laughs> see. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be weird. I tell you what, I will miss though about obviously Christmas. The, the one of the big things is every is so like it's just that it's the, the, you you look back at all tournaments, like the nostalgia. Every, every World Cup, every Euros. If you think back and you think of the weather, glorious blazing hot sunshine. Yeah. You never remember. You never remember a rainy day, do you? No. Always. Glorious blazing sunshine. You're in your shorts. You're drinking in the street, or you're drinking in the garden. It's always great, and I just think that that that'll lose it a bit because oh, you, you'll need a firework up your jacksy just to heat you up. Yeah. I better start buying my uh, my garden patio heaters and my log burners now, right? Yeah, yeah, but it should, it should be good. Be interesting as well, like you say. Like we we've, we've said many times, haven't we? When we said about the. Um, Euros are a World Cup coming on an odd year as opposed to the even year, seeing if that would help England better. And then it'd be interesting to see how countries cope just with the fact it's it's mid-season, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, 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 how it'll influence, influence selection as well, because obviously it's off the back of a season. when, But at the start of the season, players can, towards the end of the season, start slacking off, thinking, I can't go in for this like because of injury for the World Cup. Whereas at the start of the season, how is it going to affect the league as well? Because the players are going to be thinking, oh, the World Cup's coming up. I can't, I can't well, commit as much as I did. And do you know what I mean? Maybe the, maybe the league will be fascinating what, that year as what well. What will be the impact on sort of, obviously lots of good players won't go to the World Cup and we'll just have a month off. Yeah. yeah so afterwards. Got yeah. yeah. I've not really thought about that. Because, well, like, will, will the Egypt have qualified? Well, I think they've got into a playoff. Uh, I think they've got into. Who, I think they've got into who's Mane play for? It's Mane Senegal. Senegal, yeah. yeah. They've qualified. So what Senegal have got there? Yeah, they think they've qualified. 
But they won't stay there long, will they? That's yeah, it. no, but, but Ross, yeah. you're thinking about it from a Liverpool point of view. But like from United point of view, will Scotland have qualified? How fresh has <laughs> Scott McTominay been in January 2023? Fred. Well, for, I mean, <laughs> Fred, Bra- yeah. Brazil are going, Brazil, Brazil going to the final, aren't they? It'll be buoyant after... <laughs> I mean, and, the thing, and, uh, man of the match in the World Cup final, it'll be flying. Are the, are the Dutch going? Oh, I don't know. It could knock a Donny van der Beek out, I guess, by more than one game in a year. <laughs> it'll be done for three seasons then. I saw Thiago Alcantara been linked with the move to Spain. Yeah, they've said, they've, they've said well, I think that they've, there was something in the paper the day about Barcelona have got like £8 million to spend in January. I was like, I mean, we got we got him on a very very good deal, but I don't think Liverpool will be selling Tiago in the summer for uh, well um, for, for in, in the winter for eight million quid, especially when we've only got four central midfielders fit at the minute. So, I mean, well, he's he's already got Danny Alves back, hasn't he? Yeah, well, the other thing was that uh, Barcelona are, are quietly um, trying to get Salah to um, uh, Barcelona in the summer. I was like, they haven't got any money. I was like. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he's going to, unless he's going to go back on loan to Liverpool for a couple more seasons, who's got, who's paying that money for him? Because they haven't got any money. Um, but right, just, well, I just, just, I was going to say, just to round it off before we got into the, the Premier League stuff, are England going to win? Are we going to win the World Cup? This World Cup well, season starts today. Football's coming home, mate. Yeah, <laughs> it's been coming home for the last. <laughs> <laughs> I think is. What I would say is, there's never been a better chance, has it? No. I don't. Apart, apart, apart from the 1960s, there's probably never been a better time to be an England fan at the minute, has it? The, the, there's a level of expectation there that, that there probably hasn't been there in... Well, there's probably been the expectation, but there's actual realism behind the yeah. expectation. Now, and then it's almost just... like, yeah, I suppose all our lifetime, we've always thought England have had a chance. I reckon this must be people in other countries thinking that England have got a chance now. Yeah, now like, over, yeah, other countries are going shit. Objective others, yeah. Let's not just, draw England. I just hope when we get to, um, I just hope when we get to the World Cup in twenty twenty six that we haven't got a world class twenty six year old Phil Foden playing with a forty year old Harry Kane because nobody's managed to displace <laughs> him and, and John Pickford's still in net and we're still playing with the same back four that we were playing that we play with now. But just, they're all like thirty five. Trent's still yeah. on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> He's just got Trent. 25 assists for Liverpool. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trent's, Trent's Liverpool's top scorer from second. He's turned into a number eight and he's, he still can't get a game at right back. Never mind in this field. Cheesy's still saying he's a better young player than Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on, let's go on to the Premier League. Okay. Uh, right, well, we'll we'll have a quick break. Well, we'll, we'll let's not get too hasty. So, um, we'll we'll talk about the management changes. Um, obviously, Aston Villa have lost their manager, and Norwich has lost their manager. Um, so um, we you say lost as if they didn't sack them, Jesus. Well, I, I say they, they, they've sacked the manager. They decided to sack them. So, um, um, what was the other person? The other person, just before we get onto these management changes, quick word on Neil Warnock. Um, who has? Um, was he? Has he got the? Has he managed the most games? One thousand yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, because of, yeah, and then he lost his job about a week after. I think he, um, he apparently he was told on the Friday, um, or he was told on the Saturday morning that he was losing his job, and he told, he didn't 
I think he told them ten minutes before kickoff. Told the team ten minutes before kickoff that this is going to be his last game. And I don't, I don't, I think they won. I think they won two one. Uh, but yeah, he got he he got to that point where very similar to uh, Steve Bruce, who got to a thousand games and then he got the sack. So don't break any records. Don't get to any milestones. Or you're ultimately going to end up losing your job. That's why so. we can't make it to 50 podcasts, isn't right. it? Right. <laughs> I've got to temper it. I've got to temper it. Yeah, exactly. One of us is out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll, we will, we'll move on. We'll move on to the first managerial ca- casualty of the... Uh, of I the thought we were having a break. Well, well, we'll go past. We've skipped the break now. That was the break. <laughs> yeah, well, I was about to say it was going to be a format change. We've never done a third half before, have we? Well, no, I was, was going to back you, and yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I enjoyed. Yeah. Well, I, I did think that. I thought the same thing. I thought bloody hell, quite. Well, I've done I, this before. I was thinking this. I was well. Even I thought that as I was saying. I was like, do we normally have another break? I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm going with it. I was like, no, we're not. We're not going to have another break. So then I've got to do. I've got. To, I've got to produce another break. So I was like, oh, we'll just keep going. <laughs> well, I thought you. I thought you must have read something in terms. of This is how you get the listeners up. You have. No, you, introduce, you introduce a random break, but just, oh, I was thinking. Oh, he's thinking another opportunity to get advertising in. Good thing. Yeah. yeah, we have more breaks. <laughs> Just inside for Christmas, get that money. Yeah, coming. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Get the get the old Smiths. <laughs> oh, I've already mentioned Smith toys, though. Toys are other coming back, so we'll get that. Yeah, leg, leg off. Oh, actually, just while we're talking yeah. about Christmas, it's uh, it's, it's it's is it my year to get the presents? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Better start thinking about that then. <laughs> <laughs> put, put, put that Smith toys catalog down. <laughs> Anyone no, fancy but... some Chamber of Secrets Harry Potter Lego? Because I've got one going spare. <laughs> Disconnected. Oh, you... Remind me again, Cheesy. What is your favourite brand of champagne? Uh, <laughs> the pink stuff. The expensive pink stuff. I'll make you some three thirds man, one third Scouse stuff. You could have. You could have got us those overlap tickets as well. Oh, all right. Bloody hell! Don't get disappointed too early. <laughs> Anyway, we'll move on. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one with you, Ross. Yeah, uh, don't ruin the surprise too soon. <laughs> I mean, uh, the other thing I've got to think about delivery the way Cheesy did last last year. Just a oh, ring on the ring on the bell, pack, yeah. package on the door, package yeah. on the step. I mean, the only way to top that really is to do it late Christmas Eve night, really, isn't it? Turn up in a red suit. <laughs> Be half caught by then, I think. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on to the Premier League, uh, we will talk about the, the first managerial casualty, which was, to be fair, which was a bit of a, a bit of a shock after their first Premier League win. Um, Daniel Farkas left Norwich, um, was sacked, um, even though he he himself knew that before the game he was getting the sack, and managed to deliver Norwich's best performance of the season so far in a two 0 I think it was two 0 win at home to Brentford or away at Brentford. Um, and he ultimately lost his job. Um, bit of a shock, Simon. Yeah, I I must admit, I was kind of under the impression that Norwich were basically quite happy with this situation where Daniel Farker takes them up, takes them back down, takes them up again. And so I, I not they've obviously had a very bad start to the season, but I thought they were kind of almost comfortable with the fact that yeah, we'll stick with this guy. He's our guy. <laughs> He's getting the best out of the players we've got. It is weird. It was almost a sort of shock uh, win against Brentford. 
And it is, you know, you go back three months, and actually, you know, Norwich finished above Brentford in the Championship last season. Brentford came up through the playoffs. In a way, you you would at the start of the season you think, yeah, Brentford, that's that's the sort of game we have to be winning. Where, but Brentford have kind of adapted to the Premier League really well. Norwich have really struggled, no wins. I mean, you know, in terms of he's he's had plenty of time in the job. It was a poor start to the season. He's shown in the past that he can't keep them up. So. He can have no complaints, I guess, but he sort of seems like a nice guy. And I thought Norwich were sort of happy with him. But, um, you know, it's that sort of curse that, when you know, we'll talk about other managers. And I think it's a time of the season. I think this is the international break where you go, look, we've given the manager a fair crack at it at the start of the season. We get, we'll take the view that it's not worked. What have given the manager the two-week international break to work with the players, don't they? Yeah, I was surprised. Too. Just like you said, I was surprised too because I, I, I was under the impression that like, I thought they were just going for the West Brom approach. Let's just go up, go down, go up, go down. We'll keep adding, adding, adding little tiny bits of here and there, and then there'll be one season they'll suddenly go right bang, spend a bit of money. But they, apart, I mean, what did they get? They got Billy Gilmore in on loan and Brandon Williams, and they sold uh, Buendia. Like it's. Well, they sold Burnley, and they also they had um, who's the guy from Spurs? They got all the skip on loan last season, the midfielder, and I think he was he was quite he was like crucial for them last season in the championship. So it's one of them. So I think they've kind of spent money, but on the sly, they lost their best two players. So you're a bit like, well, actually, it's one that you spend a lot of money. You think actually, all we've done is we've got the, a team that is as good as the one we had last season because. Well, that's 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 yeah, that's what that's kind of the point, mate. Like, what what were they expecting from Daniel Farker? Because we pretty much had a similar squad. Like, I mean, a lot of the players that were in the Premier League last time when they were in there, but yet they were suddenly expecting for him to be a very competitive and stay in. And obviously, last time they were in, they did that whole what lots of new clubs do: uh, start the season very well because they're unexpected packages, have no fear. But then as the season grinds them down, they suddenly start losing a load of games. Whereas it, that wasn't the case this time around. Timu Puka isn't the unknown quantity he was three years ago. So he's not scoring goals. It, it's just almost like, what, what realistically, what are you expecting from that Norwich squad? Because it's, it's not a great squad. No one is... I mean, even with a change of manager, no one's going, that could really lift their fortunes. Like, you, you're still not expecting that, realistically, I- are you? I mean, at the start of the season, whenever we did our sort of preview podcast, I suspect all three of us predicted Norwich going down. I mean, it's sort of... Well, it's, it feels just, like 20th it would almost be a par score for them. They were exactly the same team that went down. Yeah. So, like, there was, there's no difference in, in, in the team that... Obviously, the personnel is different, but it doesn't feel like that there were going to be any different... Um, coming up this time to the same team that went down last time because the way that they came up I think they did the same thing they won the league um, then they had that famous home win against City I think it was and then obviously started the season quite well in the first 10 games but this obviously this time round I think they've only had, what, they, had, they had two draws before before the, the game that they, they, they beat Brentford and like you said they'd lost the Billy Gilmore they'd signed Ozan Kabak um, and, and Brandon Williams on a loan um, I can't remember the, the English attacking midfielder that they had. Who Todd Campbell? Be, yeah, he must be. He must be injured because he's not. He's not played. 
um, unless he unless his form's just dropped. Um, but yeah, they just don't they just don't seem to have enough goals or. I just think, look, it's, it's always going to be an issue for them to get up. What Daniel Farker has proved is he can get he can get the team out of the championship consistently. So regardless of what they do in the Premier League, they're going to get parachute payments, whatever happens. But, I mean, you would back Daniel Farker to get Norwich out of the championship again next season. So, in some ways, that's what I was thinking. You kind of go, we'll have this up and down, and then all of a sudden we'll have to go, right, We'll really back him and then see what he can do. But I think it's just a surprise. But then, obviously, now they've sacked him. I mean, I think rather fortuitously for them, uh, Aston Villa sat their manager at the same time, so they managed to get Dean Smith in. Do you think it'd be a good appointment? Yes, I really rate Dean Smith. I um, so I I lived in Brentford when he was the Brentford manager. So I've kind of been aware of him for a while. And he did a good job there. He did a really good job at Villa. I know, I know we'll get on to it, but I thought I thought he was a bit unlucky to get the sack of Villa. And I think he has a track record of getting a lot out of player, like sort of underrated players and sort of working with players and, and improving players, crucially. Um, so he's a sort of manager that can do that. So I think it is a really good appointment. Uh, will he be able to get that much more out of them than Daniel Farker? I'm not sure. I think will they be ultimately undermined by the fact that the squad isn't that great in you know at Premier League standard? Uh, I don't know. You often get a new manager bounce, but yeah, I, th- I think he is a good appointment. I, I agree. I think I think for them it works out quite well that he's, he's a good appointment. But it's like you say, is he actually going to be able to get anything better out of them than Daniel Farker? Like you say, I don't. Unless they go big in January, or they buy something in January, then Timo Puki realistically isn't going to score. He's not quick enough to score that many goals in the Premier League, is it? His movement's not that great. Like you say, Todd Cantwell's not really been that creative force that he was at the start of the season when he was there last time. That kind of got him some recognition. They got rid of Buendia to Aston Villa. So <laughs> Dean Smith took their, one of their best players away from them. And then the defence just isn't good enough. There's just lots of issues, isn't there, really? So, well, they've sold the best player for 40 million, but they didn't. I mean, I think I think Kabak cost them 15. Gilmore's on loan, Brandon Williams on loan. So, what, who else have they bought? I mean, Josh, Sar- no, I think, is, is it Josh Sargent that, put, that is, is like kind of back up to Timo Puki? And, um, he, he's probably a very, very good player, but it's if you've only got players that are actually going to score goals in the Premier League, then you're going to you're going to really struggle. I mean, the, the one other thing I will say about Dean Smith is when Norwich, um, unless they had very much inside information of what was going on, and Norwich clearly didn't have a plan because Dean Smith hadn't been sacked by the time Daniel Parker had been sacked. Well, I, so I was under the impression that Norwich had offered it to uh, to Lampard. That was their plan, and then he turned it down. Yeah, Lampard seemed to be the link to everything, didn't he? I, but then I, 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 I think they've dodged Lampard, a massive Lampard seems to be first choice for so many jobs and constantly turn them down. And I, I, every time I think, well, that's, that's a bullet dodged. I'm really not convinced by Lampard. I but just think they all assume Lampard. that he can get uh, Mason Mountain on loan wherever he gets. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that must be it, yeah. I, I, but at the same time, what I was thinking was when, the Norwich, when they sacked Daniel Farker, which manager actually wants to touch it? Why would you want to go there? 
Well, if you're a Premier League manager, you don't want to come down to Norwich, do you? So you're sort of almost looking for a championship manager who thinks it's a step up, don't you? Or someone like like a Graham Potter who was playing his trade in the Scandinavian leagues, building a reputation that yeah, yeah. over. Something like that. But I just think you're not going to get anyone really big. You're not going to get a big name. I mean, that's what that's what like like I said, and you said, Cheezer. It seemed rather fortuitous that them and Aston Villa decided to sack the managers on the same weekend, and they got Dean Smith in. Really, otherwise, where I would think, he be now? I think he do. Um, I was go just, on. sorry, Sam. I was just going to say. I, I think going back to the, the what Norwich allowed with Farker, then obviously to take them down. You would. You, I mean. Dean Smith might work absolute wonders. He might very well do that. They might bring a couple of players. In. I don't. I don't. I don't think that Norwich are a million. They, they can't be a million miles away from a, a, a survive. A, that's the word I'm looking for. Survivable Premier League team when they played so well in the Championship the year before. And I know they're completely different leagues, and you, you need to set up differently and play differently. But they, they must still have that way that they absolutely just annihilate everybody else in in in, in the Championship the year before. And I think back to I think back to Burnley and Burnley start Burnley didn't start the season off particularly well, but they signed like Maxwell Cornet, and you think well Burnley've got somebody else now who can score goals as well as Chris Wood and maybe Ashley Barnes who might get five or six. So they they've just got that person that that a bit more flamboyant, a bit that's like almost an Alan Saint Maximum type player that you think that Newcastle will be all right because they've got Saint Maximum all right, they've got Wilson as well, but like Burnley will be all right because they've got I, I don't know who Norwich have got or who else will come in, or a couple of other moves that they'll do. So Dean Smith's just probably going, do you know what, I've got another job for 18 months, because this, if I can keep this team together, there's no real standouts here that probably somebody else is going to nick for 30, 40, 50 million quid out of here. I'll take them down, I'll start. I'll set the season up really well, we'll get ready for the Premier League next year, we'll get promoted, and then we'll come back up and I'll have, a, I don't know, I'll have 18 months to, to two years or whatever it is. So I, I, I don't know, I think he's just kind of gone, do you know what, I'm out of, I'm out of work, it's um, another Premier League team. It doesn't normally happen that we get I get a job the same week that I end up getting a sack. Um, there is something I could probably do with his team. He has got a track record with with, with Brentford and how he how well he he done with them. And so I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the best appointment. I think the Lampard thing. I I, I genuinely think that Lampard Lampard's got probably one an, another another shot, and he has to it, for Lampard. It has to be. Like the golden ticket, he has to be able to job that he physically cannot fail in. Because I think if he if he doesn't do well again, he's then going to have to drop down the leagues again. And I don't think he wants to do that. I think if he got promoted with but with Derby when when he could have got promoted with Derby, I think it would have been different. But the fact that it um, he didn't get promoted with Derby, it didn't really work out with Chelsea after they'd spent all that money. Um, and then he, so is he, he if he doesn't do well at his next job, then what is next for, for Frank Lampard? Oh no, I agree. Yeah, but his next job will be massive for Lampard because yeah, I, I honestly think if if his next job doesn't work out, I think I I don't think he'd go back down. I think he'd be, I think he'd just take that sort of pundit life and just be like, yeah, you know, bowl upon Super Sunday or whatever for Sky. Man- management's hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the sort of Neville Sooners approach. Yeah, but uh, just wow. Well, obviously, mentioned. Do you think Dean Smith was unlucky to lose his job? Yeah, I, I think he was. I think you know they've had a lot of changes. I don't think they weren't doing they weren't doing that terribly, were they? they I'm not sure. I've got a league table in front of me, but they lost, lost five. five. Lost five. Yeah, 
So I think they'd done the same thing. They'd had a decent start. I think they'd got most of their points in the first five games of the season and they've lost five on the bounce. So. I, th- I think the thing what did it for Dean Smith wasn't necessarily this season and the five games. I think it was maybe last season. And obviously, I know, I know Villa had a good season. But I think when you look at um, what Villa did last season, they struggled massively when Jack Grealish was out injured. And they couldn't seem to buy a win and really, really struggled. And I think what the, what's influenced the decision is the management saw these last five games. Obviously, Jack Lewis has been sold. I know, but obviously, they got the £100 million in. But I just think maybe thought, has Dean Smith got a plan B in terms of not having a Jack Grealish around to to play around? Can he get the best out of these? I, I think that's maybe what's done it for him. Do you, uh, do you think, uh, to sort of sum up Norwich, do you think they are more or less likely to stay up as a result of having the change of manager? Uh, uh, probably exactly the same. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd I, don't probably, think, I don't think you're going to be any less likely to stay up than they already were, to be honest. I think I think the only way that potentially that, is, that, that Norwich team is going to change is... is is maybe a different motivation. Maybe it, maybe it was that a lot of it looked like the club had just resigned to being relegated again. So I don't know. Like you said, the new manager bounce sometimes can work. Sometimes it doesn't. It might be one or two, one or two wins, but I can't remember what the, the table was last season. But it's, I know forty points keeps you up. But for more and more and more and more, it's not forty points that keeps you up. It's, you get thirty five, and you've probably got a chance to stay up. So, well, the the other thing I don't know, if, like just from a vanity part of view, what the Norwich board are thinking is they just want to beat the derby total and not be considered the worst team that's ever yeah. faced the Premier League. I, I don't know if that's kind of a a thing as well with them. Well, the way they, two... other than beating Brentford, which they did, like there was no signs of any kind of wins coming. The closest they kept. I mean, to be fair, to the last two, they they played Leeds, and Leeds were just beaten two one, and they were in that game for a long time, and then the next game they go and beat Brentford. So there was actually signs of recovery of Daniel Parker and what they were doing, and then he sacked. So I don't know if it's just a vanity thing from the owners. They don't really seem to be owners of the worst team that's ever graced the Premier League, but. I think- I think just going back to Dean Smith, I think I, I watched there was the, when they they played Everton at home. Um, I think the first forty five minutes wasn't great, and then I think it was Leon Bailey's first or second game. I think it was his second game. I think the first game he got injured. It was the second game, and they had half an hour in that second half against Everton, where like Villa looked like they were about to win the Champions League. They were just incredible. They played so well. The, they were people were passing the ball around. They were just really attacking. Everything was working really well. And then I think some of the other games that they played were. Ings and Watkins. Ings had started the season off quite well. Then Watkins has come back in. They're not playing very well as a two. I think there's defensive mistakes that's happening. Um, I'm not sure that the middle of the park for Villa is is probably as strong as it probably has been before. Maybe because they don't have as much of the ball. Now the Grealish isn't there. The Buendia thing's not really worked. Um, I don't know. I just think that I just think there's a couple of things that they've tried or they've they've changed with Villa and it, it just hasn't worked. Um, but maybe that, maybe you're right. Maybe last season was was always going to be Villa's Villa's best um, because the season before, I mean, they, they weren't very good. They stayed up by obviously the the goal at Sheffield United or whatever it was that didn't go in or did go in and didn't get given. Um, but you spend hundred million quid, you don't have you don't have pressure regardless of uh, of what manager you are. 
And, and what do you think Steve Gerrard can do with this new squad? The hundred million dollar question. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think he mentioned in his interview before. I don't know whether this. Everybody's called this a bit of a sly dig at, at Lampard, but he said like he'd been away, done a couple of years managing Liverpool youth teams, and then. Um, like learnt his trade and was away from the cameras and got loads of help from Liverpool and how he wanted to do things and and then obviously the the the, the chance came to go to Rangers it didn't I don't think it, it didn't work in his first season and then um, he managed to keep hold of Morales and, and Ryan Kent and, and managed to keep the, the nucleus of the squad together and James Tavernier has come on really well and they did really well and then. I don't know. It, it, Villa almost seems like a, I think he said a job that he, he just couldn't have turned down. I think ultimately, eventually, and he'll probably never say he'll probably he'll won't talk about this while Klopp's there. And loads of people ask him this question: Does he want the Liverpool job? Of course, he wants to manage Liverpool one day. But he, what he doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to be soonest and he doesn't want to be rubbish at it because he does. What he doesn't want to do is how it will be twice as hard for him. And he's mentioned before about times he could have gone to Madrid or Inter or Chelsea or whatever, but. Um, it means much more playing for Liverpool, and it will mean it will mean even more managing Liverpool. That he want to be the best manager he could be, but he's going to need some sort of Premier League experience. He can't. He wouldn't just be able to just roll up to Liverpool job in five years' time, ten years' time, or whatever, without of already managing in the Premier League. And he's got some. He's, he's got a decent enough foundation. He's got Villa have got a really good young academy. They've got some decent players, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work out for Dean Smith in those last five or six games. I think he's worked with. I think he was still at Liverpool while Ings was there, maybe. Um, and I think the other thing with Jared, he's got he's got a team around him. Like McAllister's coming back down. He's got his own physios. He's got his own first team coaches. Very much what Eddie Howe's done at Newcastle and brought his whole team with him. That's exactly what Gerard's done. He, he's had time and a couple of years behind him to just kind of go. Oh, everybody's on. I've worked. Everybody knows what I want to do. So. He's given himself the best the best chance he can. He's got some really good young attacking players. Um, I, I'd like to think it will work out for him as long as it doesn't work out on the eleven when he goes back to Anfield. But well, I don't know. That will be. What day is that on? It's like, it's just it's the eleventh of December. I think it's a Saturday. But obviously the games for December have already been decided because of Christmas, so it's just the three o'clock game on a Saturday. Is well, it? What do you, what do you think, Simon? I. What in terms of how Jared will get on? Yeah, I so I think he, I think he has done a really good job at Rangers. You know, Rangers have been in the doldrums for a long time, and he, I mean, he kind of got lucky in as much as I think Celtic dropped. You know, Celtic under Brendan Rodgers were probably actually quite a good team, and did drop off. But still, he was the you know he, he has experience. I think managing Rangers is probably quite a unique experience in terms of the pressure, expectation, pressure. Yeah, yeah. You are managing a big club, even though in England we don't really think of it of, of Celtic and Rangers as big. And, you know, we don't think of Scottish football as being big, but I think Rangers is a big club to manage. I think there's a certain pressure of managing a big club. So I'm, I'm so intrigued to see how he goes. I think he's, I think he's made quite an astute start to his managerial career in a way. I think he's a good place to start. I think this is a good move. I think that is a quite a good Villa squad. That probably, although I think Dean Smith was hard done by to get sacked, I think they probably are underperforming at the moment. So in many ways, just almost like if Gerard can just get them to where they should be in the league, that would suddenly look like a bit of a success. Like if they just finished twelfth now, 
people will go, oh, what a great start for Gerard. So I think, I think it's a good appointment. I think it'll be sort of fascinating to see how it goes. And I think it'll be a real chance for us to get a real assessment of what he's like as a manager. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I can't I think I think he's gonna be quite successful, to be honest. Like you say, I think he's ranked like Winley won the league in Celtic uh, not Celtic Rangers. Obviously that's that's good. Like you say, Rangers are a big club. Like you say, regardless of what English fans say, it is a big club. But I also think in the way I said Dean Smith was unlucky, like it kind of he didn't really realise the way to it. I think he did spend the hundred million pounds that he got from Jack Grealish quite wisely. Dean Ings, uh, Danny Ings is a is a great striker and everyone was, teams would have loved to have him what he was doing at Southampton. Leon Bailey was a good signing. Maybe Buendia, I'm not too I'm still not convinced on that. I don't I didn't really see what he did at Norwich. But like you say, John McGinn's a good player, Tyron Mings plays for England. Uh they've got Martinez, yeah. I mean, Twan Zabi's a good player. You can't always get in the team. Yeah, they, there's enough players there that you think, oh. But like I say, I don't know if Dean Smith's problem was that he he'd spent a lot of time just building a team around Jack Grealish, and then when Jack Grealish wasn't there, it was kind of oh, or maybe the team couldn't adapt to Jack Grealish not being there. But I think Gerard coming in. Grealish not being there and you can just say right this is what I'm going to do for the players I've got it is a good squad it's it's a squad that you, you can see doing things and can see winning games so he should he's not like like you say Dean Smith going into Norwich you're not looking at that and going well they're all underperforming they're just crap whereas the Villa squad they are underperforming so you, you can see someone else get the better out of them but like you say it matters to a lot of footballers doesn't it but Gerard's a legend of the Premier League, isn't it? At the end of the day, there'll be loads of people who just be inspired by Gerard and everything he's done. So I can see him being quite successful at Norwich. Uh, not Norwich, at Villa. And then, like you say, that that builds him for them, them bigger jobs, doesn't it? I mean, what I would say, geez, I, I think whoever, similar to Fergie, whoever comes after Klopp now in the Liverpool job, it's a poison chalice. You yeah, don't want to be second yeah. to Klopp. Not, at the minute, there's not, there isn't a single Liverpool fan that wants him to leave. I think his contract... Somebody said that the Gerard got assigned for two and a half or three and a half years. I think it, I think it runs out the year after Klopp's supposed. To, I think Klopp's supposed to be there till twenty twenty four. I think Gerard's supposed to be Villa till twenty twenty five. I believe, unless they're both tie up and they're both going to leave in twenty twenty five. But I don't think Klopp's going to be there for that long. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously, I, I, well, the, the league, the, the four years is a long time, and I mean Liverpool could be. Um, heaven forbid that Liverpool could be like rolling around in eighth, ninth, tenth in, in, in four years' time with, with Klopp still there and hopefully that's not the case but you're right the, the person that the person that comes in after after Klopp will... See if, if I was Gerard what would be the person after after Klopp Yeah Let someone else in ways, The worst thing you could do is do quite a good job at Villa like do okay at Villa because Whatever happens when Klopp leaves, if if Gerard's still doing a decent job at Villa, all the talk like straight away he'll be favourite for the job, won't he? Yeah, you know, he'll be the first person people will be talking about. And I, I just think that's where he's got to manage expectations and be dead clever and say, "Look, still need to build next bit." If I want to take Liverpool back to it, yeah. It look it, as long as he keeps doing it, if he believes in himself and he keeps doing a decent job in the Premier League. 
when that Liverpool job becomes available, he will be offered it. He will always be considered, won't he? Yeah, every time it comes up now. That, yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. So, it, yeah. it, if he manages it well enough, he's smart enough for the first time it comes up and says, I, I think we stay clear of it. The same way, when Moyes came in after Fergie, you, you're just always going to be compared to Klopp. And that's, unless you're going to win the league the first season you're there, which is incredibly difficult to do, you've got to be struck, you're struggling then. And then almost you damage your reputation. Similar to what, what's happened to Solskjaer now. He's, he's damaging his reputation as a club legend, isn't it? The longer things go, I, I just don't. I just think you have to manage things and say, look, maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe the next time around. I've got the new experience. What I'll do a proper job there. Because there's a I mean, lot of talk. In reality, within, it won't happen. But There's a lot of talk within Liverpool that um, the first team coach, Pat Linders, will take over. Because that's what the Liverpool have done with the um, sporting director's job. So Michael Edwards is leaving in, in the summer, and he's basically been um, grooming like the uh, the football. I can't remember what his actual job title is, but basically the person within is 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 just going to step up, so that because otherwise they thought like quite a lot of people might potentially leave, or somebody bringing somebody might want to do something slightly differently. Whereas they don't want to change how. The, uh, how Liverpool is run basically they just want to they just want to keep the people that they've got with the structures in place um, very um, familiar um, people not not that that necessarily works all the time because obviously some people people with new ideas can obviously help grow but um, I don't I don't know I think that I think whoever takes over from Klopp whoever it will be whether it will be Pep Linders or whether it's Steven Gerrard or whether it's somebody else he's no idea but I don't know he might do really well at Villa for 12 months and then there might be a big, there might be a Champions League club in Europe that might end up thinking, well, we'll take it, we'll take a punt on Gerard, and that might be easier for Gerard to go away for a couple of years and go managing Europe or, or, or go managing the Champions League, and then coming back. But I mean, he's got, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be facing Conte, Guardiola, Klopp. I mean, he's he's, he's in probably the best place for for stuff like that to to happen and. Like I said, if he can get eighth, ninth, if he can be the best of the rest, then... Can I just say, you know what? Um, when Villa sacked Dean Smith, you, this is generally what I thought. I thought, are they sacking their manager because they think they're competing with United in terms of who... who that? <laughs> I think genuinely that think that. I, did, I thought, are we going to get... Are, are they sacking it because... You think well, United are going to be going after similar ones to us. <laughs> well, I mean, I, well, that's I, that's, that was a genuine thought. That's not a, like me being trying to be funny. That was because I just don't know who, what happens with United. I, I don't know. It, it's just something I thought. I thought a team's now so well because obviously Spurs, Spurs cut ties quite early. Now Villa, a team's around this kind of this level. It, it kind of. It was a bit. It was quite a depressing thought, but I did think, is that what teams are doing? Because they think United might pull the trigger. And well, now you've brought it up, and we won't. We'll, we'll finish with this because we are getting close to the old uh, time. We're going to get cut off. Um, we haven't spoken since. Obviously, haven't spoken since the derby, um, and because you brought Solskjaer up, is it? Is it time? Is it now time to go? I know. It, uh, well, the I mean, last time we said that it was time to go, didn't it? But everything's calmed down a little bit now. I don't and... think anything's calmed down. We had a <laughs> very dismal. Derby performance when no, but I mean, happened. the international break means that United aren't playing football. That's basically why I mean. I think I think the fact he survived till this point means he's going to survive for a while. Yeah, I think you know that the kind of windows to change him 
and has has kind of gone in a way and I think unless it gets really bad, I think he will be in charge till the end of the season. Is is my read in the situation. The Glazers have never been knee jerk soccer manager people. Well, um, I I don't I don't agree that maybe the end of the season. But what I would say is Gary Neville made a very good point, which I've not thought of. Woodward's supposed to be going at the end of well, quite soon. A month, a month I think it said. Yeah. So does he want does he want his last act to be sacking a manager? and finding a new manager. So what I would say is, maybe he doesn't want to see that, so he'll persevere with Solskjaer or keep Solskjaer there until he goes. And then what I think, though, if he goes, similar to new owners coming in, you're not going to... I don't think you're going to put up... If, it, if, it's, if it's not improved massively, if you... Let's say, what is it, a month? How many games are you not going to play? Maybe four or five? No, there's two, nine games in December. All right, you get three wins in them nine games. It's, it's got to be curtains. I think I think probably that. I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, but I think the one thing that's probably helped um, Solskjaer at the minute is that I think that United. I think United are on seventeen points. I think everybody under. I think if I remember rightly, when they got beaten the week before, they could have ended up being like eleventh. But everybody below them got beat by teams that were below them. So United didn't drop that much, and I think with West Ham beating Liverpool just before the international break, yeah, but that shouldn't be a marker of success, though. No, no, I'm not saying it isn't, but it's it's a lot different because after the derby, like Neville was going, well, if, if Chelsea win, there'll be X amount of points clear. Whereas Chelsea, I don't think Chelsea. I think did Chelsea draw? Did Chelsea get beat? I can't remember. So that didn't happen. So like there isn't that massive gap there, and I'm not saying that that's that's one of the things that, that has possibly happened, but. I think now, if they've not done it already, the the one thing that United can't afford to lose out of Champions League money. If United look like they're so they're, they're maybe ten points adrift of, of, of sort of the top four, and bearing in mind Solskjaer, I think has come back. I think in that season, in that season he took over and managed to get top four in the last day of the season against Leicester, when they were quite far behind. So unless that is the danger that United are going to finish in the top yeah. four, that then becomes a problem. That's when no, they, I, that's when they might have to go. I mean, I, I agree. You can say what he did in his first season and bring United back. That's fine. But there was never any negative grumblings coming out of Old Trafford. Whereas every other story that you read on Ronaldo's complaining, Van der Beek, someone else, someone, 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 some, someone's complaining about either the training or the tactics or the selection or the standards or this, that. You never read a positive news story anymore. And that's the difference. Yeah. That's, well, that's got- the issue. They've got Watford on Saturday and then they play Chelsea, don't they? Look, we could... I mean, Watford, Claudio and Ranieri, we could pull out a surprise. Chelsea will probably get beat because we always struggle with Chelsea. The Watford game just feels massive for United at the moment, doesn't it? What, the Watford game? Well, just every game for United feels massive. And the Watford game feels massive, yeah. And you're like... I'll tell you what the big thing is. I have no confidence in... No. Ordinarily, seasons come by, United Watford. Yeah, United will win that. Yeah, United. I'm going into this going, I don't know. I don't know what is going to happen in that game. We could we could win it 4-0. We could lose it 3-0. And neither neither result would surprise me. And that that's the issue at the minute. This is your this is me in 2016, this Liverpool before Klopp took over. 
and you just didn't know what was going to happen from week from week to week. Or you think, well, these players are better than this. These players have to perform better than this. And it just ended, but you just end up watching a complete and utter car wreck. Yeah, it's just just frustrating. Not all you can do about it. Though. That's the, that's the thing. There's not, there's nothing. I just think it's got to a point where it's just too negative around the club, and I don't know what soldier I can do to actually pull it round. It's not, I think that's the thing. It feels like the end of anger. Well, it well just, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, you look at the uh, aftermath of the the Sky interviews with. Um, or the well, Keane's analysis of the derby. That he was is, angry. He was angry. Yeah, I th- I'm, that's why Liverpool. I, mean, I think I watched them videos about five times. So I think you were just everybody. You were just getting your own back on me. I mean, Keane's normally he's normally like like he, he but he, I think he puts that on for a bit of a show. But that he was genuinely just like this is this is a shit show. This is this is terrible. I am, yeah. Don't know what you are. Well, you, you keep backing them until until something happens, don't you? Sound like Gary Neville, don't you? But Well, apologies to finish on a bit of a bum note, but um, we'll, wait and, we'll wait and see what happens at the weekend. Um, and then obviously, the well, we've got a couple of weeks until December. I think there's eight games in December with Christmas. And I think there's a couple of week, um, there's a couple of weekday games at the beginning of December, which is why there's so many games in December, but can I just say before we go, if I sound distracted at the start of the podcast, before we just before you sent the link, I'd set up a single player board game. Right. <laughs> Thinking you'll be quite a while because you never know me on time. So I tried to play it as we talking. But then I had to abandon it because I thought I can't do both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's definitely the name of this podcast. Have we got your full attention? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for that, Ross. Thanks for that. Thanks. <laughs> right, it's been it's been good catching up. Always a pleasure. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Goodbye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.